Support for Tones and Drones is provided by Spotted Peccary Music. For over three decades, the artists of Spotted Peccary have continued to explore the combined textures of electronic and acoustic music, defining a unique sound that embodies the essence of the world and beyond. More information at spottedpeccary.com. You can hear conversations with many of the artists from the Spotted Peccary label on episodes of this podcast and their music on Tones and Drones Radio on 91.3 KVLU and streaming online at kvlu.org on Sundays at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Now it's time for another episode of Tones and Drones. And welcome to this episode of Tones and Drones, an ambient music podcast produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU. I'm Jason Miller, and on this episode, my guest is pianist and composer Anne Sweeten. We're going to be talking about her recent album, Love Walks Through Rain, a recording that has some very personal stories about her own life reflected in the songs, including some adversity that she's overcome and continues to overcome with strength and courage. Hope you enjoy our conversation up next on Tones and Drones. And first, thanks for being on Tones and Drones. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and saying that, like working with working with Will Ackerman after a good while uh, on on your new album, Love Walks Through Rain, and Tom Eaton on bass, both been on this podcast. Well, with Will, I was I was curious with Will Ackerman, just kind of your um, what was your did you have um any connection um to the earlier work with what Wyndham Hill was doing because like your style of piano. Um, you know, in my opinion, from what I've heard, kind of walks in that kind of very, it's very, I know it's very overarching kind of, um, kind of, uh, feel to like what they did, you know, like new acoustic music, you know, that had neoclassical feels and it's something different than people have heard before. And, and, um, were you influenced by, by that or, or connected to, to that in any, any way? Well, I would say that. You know, I was recording 
uh, on my own, but I mean, I, I had heard Will's music and George Winston's music for years. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was an absolute influencer. Um, Certainly the whole um, new agey feel when I first started out, I kind of got put in that genre because of, the brick and mortars you know you had to be in a particular bin to. in the stores <laughs> you couldn't just be in the s section they had to have right. a genre you just couldn't be in your yeah. own whatever world yeah. so yeah. that's kind of started that and then after i had done six of my own albums as my own producer and uh composer arranger and stuff uh i was kind of like you know i feel i'm i've gone as far as i can go without trying to I just knew I was ready for a change yeah and I happened to go to this uh I think it was called meet the producer event down in Cambridge uh with a company called mworks uh, the gentleman uh Jonathan Weiner uh owned the company and he had mastered several of my CDs so I got an invitation to this meet the producer and it happened to be Will Ackerman and Karen Nelson, who was his engineer before Tom. And of course I was like, oh my God, this would be a chance to meet Will, you know, and I've loved his music for all these years and stuff and maybe give him a copy of my latest CD and see if he would like to work with me or, you know. And so it was a small seminar. I mean, we were right in the front row. And it was a great opportunity to to have this. Same. This is a very intimate group, you know. And, <laughs> and it's like, and that's actually, not the easiest thing, right? In in that, right? Saying, you know, because you don't know how many times they said, "I've got my CD. I have some right here. I got some well, in the right. car." <laughs> so like, just wait on that one because this is what's fun about it. Um, was I was probably one of the few artists there or musicians. Okay. Most of them were producers, and they were looking for Will's input as a producer. Okay. So I was decidedly nervous. And so I wasn't going to say anything. At the end of the seminar closed down and I was getting ready to leave. And my husband had pocketed the CD and he marched right up to Will and said, this is my wife's latest CD. (laughs) Would you like it? And (laughs) Will took it and he goes, well, yeah. And we, and we chatted a little bit and he said, I'll send you some notes and stuff. And I said, Oh, well, that'd be great. And, you know, anyway, like the next day I'm home and I'm checking my email and I was thinking, you know, when he said, send me some notes, maybe in a couple weeks when he got to it, something like that. The next day he sent me a three page email. Wow. Okay. And some serious notes inviting me to come up and tour the studio. So uh, that May, which I think was 2007, uh, I went up and then we started uh, recording my uh, first album with him, Gray Sky and Bittersweet. And uh, of course we had Cara Nelson and then we brought in, you know, the usual suspects, Eugene Friesen and, uh, oh gosh, uh, Jill Haley and uh, just trying to remember everybody who was on it was a long time ago but uh, that was just sort of how I first you know got going with him and then the experience was so 
positive and so creative. And, you know, you had more, you had another pair of ears on your recording process, which is yeah. what I was looking for. Because when yeah. you're the person who's, I, I would go into different studios. I don't have my own studio and there'd be an engineer there, but essentially I was in control of what the end product was. And yeah. with Will, you know, this is what he does. And he he listens and you you get this other perspective. And many times, it's just to assure you that you're right on the right path. But other times it'll be like, why don't we try that a hair slower or something like that, you know, or uh, just various things. And um, it just was a great working environment. It's what I had sought, that that feeling of like, I need to break out of, not necessarily change things, but but up the ante, if you will, you know. Sure. Yeah, get, that makes get sense. More um, more feedback and, and direction and things like that. So that kind of was the, the takeoff on that. And I want to share a story with you about that first recording day that I went up it was, um, in November of 2007. And his first opening was actually the day after Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, I want to get started, but that means coming up on Thanksgiving because I want to be fresh and rested and all that sort of stuff. So I want to stay up there the night before. So <laughs> I talked to my husband about it and I told him that I said, you know what? I'm going to make our Thanksgiving dinner and I'm going to take it and we're going to have it in a little motel mm -hmm. with our dogs now we're vegetarian, so it's not like we had a big bird in the room with us as well. But I made this dinner and I had the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the creamed onions and the little vegan tofurkey roast and stuff. And we heated it all up in the microwave, <laughs> had had a tablecloth and wine glasses and the whole thing. And I'll tell you, other than the wonderful Thanksgiving dinners my mother threw, it was probably one of my favorite Thanksgivings I've ever had. <laughs> and it was also, you know, Jason, the um, the anticipation of working with Will, you know, which made it that much more festive. And so anyway, <laughs> that was yeah. how it all began. Yeah. And it gives you like a, a unique Thanksgiving dinner experience as well as, a, as, a, as a, you know, a musical journey milestone you know, yeah. to, 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 to throw into the mix in that. Now, you know, like piano wise, um, you know, I, I, uh, it, it's when, when, when you're listening, when listening to, listening to your music and, and, you know, it, it goes across all these, you know, you said, well, where are they going to put your music? And it goes across all the, it really crosses a lot of these different, you know, genres as they say. Right. Um, yeah. which I think that term is becoming more and more antiquated as as we go and i i started to kind of feel that way when the music music was really um easily accessible through like uh being on on youtube or on uh streaming or whatever uh services because you don't have to now you could say listen to this because before we would describe music i remember you know getting the magazines where it says sounds like said said bands right right and so you read somebody's review and you heard it on the radio or you heard it on some college radio or you just saw it and took a chance on it. But now like genres seem even less important because you can just say, 
listen to it. Like you can send it to somebody or they can go figure right. it out. So it kind of defies genre categorizing anything. And so, but, but, but then, but then on the other side of it, it's like, I wanted to ask you about your background in piano because that realm of focus or study does lend itself. I'm sure to your playing style being coming from classical or, or jazz or some, you know, piano vocabulary, I guess might be a way to say yeah. it. Well, I mean, I definitely, while in today's market, I would classify myself more as, you know, classical crossover or neoclassical. Yeah, like a new, in that style. Yeah. 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 How do you describe neoclassical? What what do you, what does neoclassical mean to you? I'm curious about that because I I find that term interesting. Well, it's a, I think for me, okay, for for me. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. It's a different approach to classical music. So not only is the, uh, I find what I do because it's, it's, it's classically charged in the technique, but the composition style has much more of a melodic and lyrical content or component uh, than say, you know, straightforward classical Bach, Beethoven, you know, kind of thing. Um, while within those composers there are beautiful melodies it you know um it's it's not at the forefront of it you know so and and i have a background in musical theater uh and uh i danced the ballets uh and whatnot so i have a lot of that lyrical component coming from the musical theater side of things which i think comes in with the classical and then, you know, the ballet, like Tchaikovsky ballets and stuff. Um, so they all come together to make that whatever is my, it's called a signature style now. And mm-hmm. people have said, I don't sound like anybody else. But I think these are the reasons because I have so many different influences. Uh, and, and of course, I did love New Age and I did love aspects of jazz and even folk and pop. So, you know, they all kind of come together and and when they come through me and then they come out of my fingers it's that's what it becomes and that's what happens yeah yeah and but I do I would say it's a neoclassical because it is taking a new approach to what that classical structure is and uh classical crossover as well it crosses into another genre it could be several genres but that's why I think that term uh opens up the the genre for more elements you know less traditional like this is classical you know yeah sure broke form or something like that this is baroque style playing this is classical style this is impressionistic well that's interesting because that that especially when you mention when you mentioned that you know the the some of the 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 noted composers of in the lyrical style um I, i guess you know in neoclassical you can kind of um, if you want to, in your style, like a person's signature style, they can connect the modern to the classical, but not necessarily have to be, you know, 21st century music, right? They don't have to adapt to, um, you know, anything that happened after classical, atonal or minimalism or whatever, right? They can kind right. of just draw like a little arc of the modern influence back to Bach or, you know, whomever. So, 
have like a well, little the, connection to that tradition, like you said, you know, connecting to that that style. Well, I I think the biggest thing for me, I mean, I other than the classical technique, because of my studies, um, is well, I, I'm very influenced by nature and nature's rhythms. So a big difference between me and that traditional classical structure is that I bend rhythms. Okay. And yeah. it's not yeah. uncommon to see the uh, the timing change, you know, multiple times through the score. And I liken that for as an example, so it makes it a little bit more accessible uh, to explain to you, yeah. is that when it rains, it doesn't rain in three, four time, you know? <laughs> and a storm can start out with a little gentle rain and become, become torrential. And then it, you know, as it lightens up and the sun comes out, you know, it's just like light, a lighter thing. And I wrote a piece called A Light Rain. And in it, I tried to really embody that, you know, that how it changes. And if it's changing in nature, I like it to change in the actual music itself. So, and that's something that doesn't happen a lot in classical. Yeah, that more strict meter they form. And, yeah. and I'm mentioning that. Let's 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 jump to the title of the new of the new release, Love Walks okay. Through Rain. Let's so because you, you were mentioning like the rhythm of the rain and 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 it's like the you know, I I uh kind of before that, before we kind of let's skip back a little bit because um what is something that's just been my take on it is mine and but i've had so much enrichment to that during this podcast just getting people's take on like what what just really what really just gets to you about instrumental music well i think it lets you go wherever your own mind wants to go i mean mm -hmm. lyrics are beautiful but i think sure. sometimes you can say far more because there's no uh in uh, encapsulation mm, of what yeah. it's supposed to mean you know sure. if you get lyrics like you know the narrative yeah yeah you, you know that that's where it's going now if you remove those lyrics and just play the music mm -hmm. then you're, you're back to being able to open your mind to wherever it could take you but i believe that you know instrumental music is universal because you don't have to get tied up in lyrics and sometimes uh, you can just reach so many more people if you don't have lyrics there to get people all yeah. like, yeah. Um, I don't want to use the word straightjacketed because I absolutely adore singer songwriters. And yeah. even, even some of my pieces have lyrics to them, uh, especially my early work coming out of musical theater. I wrote, I wrote them as, as more of a kind of a, musical theater piece you know but then we stripped away the lyrics and i just you know made it instrumental so but i just feel that without the words you can convey a great and even greater depth hmm. if that makes yeah. sense no it does it does make sense you're not confined to a, a narrative or anything it has know? the potential okay sure to, yeah to give a greater depth because you're not yeah 
paying attention to those particular lyrics and 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 emotionally it can it can it doesn't some it seems like removing the lyrics also kind of lets the emotional component be a little bit more freer too whereas some person might see something as sad that somebody else doesn't or or mournful that doesn't because what the music is doing to affect them instrumentally sound wise tone wise arrangement wise than than if there was a set narrative that was kind of, you know, because a lot of, you know, when lyrics are there, the emotion of the song is kind of told to you around the words, right? Right, And exactly. so they're they're told to, even if they're not singing that they're happy, but even lyrics that are kind of obtuse, as I like to say, where they're just kind of, you know, they don't have some direct narrative, they still kind of lean to them being kind of sad or happy or angry or whatever, right? So it, it it's an interesting it kind of part to it. It influences. It influences what yeah. the person listening to it is going to experience, you know? Right, right. It definitely does. And 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 sometimes freeing yourself of that's really great. I think especially if somebody's going through something and it's like they don't want to hear a bunch of like, you know, like sad um, singer-songwriter songs or something like that, but to put something instrumental on, they can – or they, but they don't want to hear something, you know, ultra shiny, poppy lyrics so they can find something instrumental that can be find where they're at more in that because as the songs move through but but going through going to the title love walks through through rain you know i i you know i hear that and i I listen to the album and i i hear the title and i I have my interpretation of the title what it means to me but i wanted to ask you about about the the title of the album because it's a it's a it's a great title first off thank you and uh (laughs) it's it's a great title and it's like you know i mean Boy, love needs to walk through any version of rain in the world, right? From the monsoon <laughs> to the drizzle, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to the the hurricane, to the from the drizzle to the hurricane, I guess, right? <laughs> but the the point of that is that you do walk through it. You know, mm-hmm, you sure. you you steadily, um, courageously. Um, I'm obviously talking. Um, figuratively now not not literally um but you know one step in front of the other through the rain um till you get to where the sun comes out and and with with love doing that um that's how you do it yeah and if love is strong enough that's you know that's what does it i'd heard this uh this uh someone i knew telling me about there was some there was like a um a mythbusters show where they were doing a study to see if you walked from point a to b in the rain would you get less wet than if you ran and the conclusion was you're pretty much you get wet the same way it's the same so so if you're gonna have to walk slowly through that rain that metaphorical or otherwise or run through it you're still gonna get wet the same way so right. <laughs> yeah no well, what what was your impetus for the title? What what did it uh, what what did it set for you um, with the collection of songs? And and was there a title first, or were your songs collected and then encompassed by the title? You know, it it always changes. Um, sometimes the title doesn't come until the last song. Sometimes it comes mm-hmm. halfway through. Um, sometimes it's a piece. You know, you've written it, and then by the time you've written what you feel embraces what is that chapter of your life 
mm-hmm. you know, the album is done. You, you've said what you need to say about the last couple of years, you know, kind of thing. Cause I put one out every couple of years. Sure. And, you know, it just felt like it was the best title for the, the entire, you know, uh, yeah. ensemble of songs. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I had a lot of things that went on the last couple of years, health issues, um, dogs that I have lost and through illness as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, it just helped. I mean, the, the writing process, I always tend to go to my piano to get through stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm feeling sad, I'll sit down and it helps to work through it. And what ends up coming out is some sort of a release into a healing element or by, 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 being able to channel my emotions into the music, I have a way for some place for them to go. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and it yeah. becomes, there, there's a, there's a result that comes out of it. You know, it's something that, uh, I don't know. It just, it just makes me feel better. I mean, when I, when I lost my dogs, I mean, I, I always write a poem for them and a, and a, a piece or two and it's almost like the poems and and the and the the compositions are a way of sending them off you know into to their peaceful place and and it helps also give me some closure and you know to ease my journey now without them because now I'm the one with a heart left behind, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, that's, it's, it's just really helpful to me to channel that grief and, and loss that way. Yeah. At the same time, honoring them, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) No, it does. It does make sense. It does make sense. But what, um, what uh what what was what 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 was the what happened to your to your dogs they they ill and that was around the they have it happened around the same time and how many dogs did you have and well i had three one one remained after they they died within 10 months of each other one was yeah one was almost 14 and she was just she had a lot of issues because she was 14 what kind of a dog what breed of dog Uh, siberian husky Siberian Husky, what a pretty dog. What a pretty she big dog. Such a beautiful baby and such a wonderful person. What was her name? What was Jasmine. her name? Jasmine. Jasmine. Yep. We called her Jazzy. Jazzy, yeah. Or Jasmagoo because she was a goofball. <laughs> um but you know, hers was a series of things. I mean, she I'm you know, she did, I'm pretty sure, have a, a cancerous tumor at the end, but there was no way we could operate it on. She had such bad arthritis and she had difficulty walking and she wouldn't even survive the operation I knew in my vet. My vet concurred. So in her case, it was just, you know, her body gave out on her, but she, she didn't want to quit. I mean, her very last day, she was still, you know, willful and 
determined and that's you know when you see that it's just it breaks your heart because you know you have to let him go yeah so and then yeah. the other one oh yeah. my god he was only eight. Oh my gosh diagnosed with a brain tumor oh and uh we because he was so young we wanted to you know give him every chance we could and he'd come He'd come to us only two years prior uh, from a terrible, terrible past. I mean, he came up from the Georgia-Alabama line with a broken leg, full-blown heartworm, oh. a gunshot in his shoulder oh. muscle. And so with us, he, you know, he blossomed and he was so, he just, despite everything he'd been through, and I'm sure there was terrible abuse and neglect, but despite all of that, all he wanted to do was give love and get love. And which is amazing when you've been through that kind of stuff. Some dogs just can't yeah. bounce back because they've been through so much. But so we wanted to give him every chance. So we did go through a, a whole course of radiation and MRIs and everything. And in the end, you know, it didn't work. And we lost him five months after he was diagnosed. Okay. So it was really awful i mean mm -hmm. we just but y'all gave so him hard. that time of care though y'all gave him that time of care after you know all of the tragedy yes know? so and that's the way i look at it i mean thank god i got him when i did so i could give him what he's been missing yeah. and i just wish i could have done it for longer i felt he was cheated you know what i mean just really yeah. cheated yeah yeah no, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I it's uh, I, I, in in this album, I, in this album, kind of was there a song on this album in dedication? Oh yeah, for for the uh, dog with the brain tumor, his name mm -hmm. was Remy, and it it's called. Well, there's so many kind of uh, <laughs> songs that are have something to do with him, um, but. Uh, glimmer was one uh yeah the uh shadow of you is really quite fitting for him uh and then jasmine was through jasmine's eyes, eyes yeah well, you um, anchor you anchored the album with the green with the with the valley green you anchored that one and that green that green valley after the rain or or how well, did you anchor how did you anchor the album uh, or well, you know, start and finish is what I'm, I mean by it. You know that particular uh, the piece, song. the piece Valley Green is a very uplifting piece. Yeah, very much. And so. I, I always my albums though, although I've been through things, I always find that there is that light, you know, at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I also grew up in a place called Green Valley. Uh, but I liked the poetry of Valley Green instead. And it was actually Will's idea to do a, the solo version at the beginning and to bookend it with an orchestral reprise. So that's kind of how that came to fruition. What uh, Green Valley, what state was that in? Pennsylvania, Bucks County, PA. Okay, Green Valley, PA. Wow. That's that has a that that just that conjures images, even if you've never been there. Well, actually, <laughs> it wasn't the town wasn't Green Valley. 
I oh, lived the on town. Oh, the town. Green Valley Road. Oh, you're in oh, Green you're Valley in Road. Green. Nice too. Yeah. That's a nice title for a street too. So green, I just it just morphed into Valley Green art, artistic license. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, you know, you, you, we pick things from all parts and places of our life, you know, and 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 being able to interpret them as a musician, you get the right to to interpret them or use them as the the start the start of something. I um the the on the only healing aspects of of music and and you're talking about how that you know had have as that's been to you and and um what what have is your thoughts been over the years in your career on that? You know, I I, I um we talk a lot on this program about it from a lot of different aspects. You know, we've we've talked about it from you know from from kind of like uh, music therapy and, and different realms, but it's like there is something about it and it's it's palatable and you know it. And it's like, what has been your experience personally, even and also like even feedback that you've gotten on on the healing power of music? You can, I mean, you know, related to what you do, related to just music in general that you've learned through your career. Like, what are some things that just that stick out about it or that you've, you know, learned about it? through your through well, this musical through this musical you know career and journey i in in 2002 started a a really challenging couple of decades for me health wise yeah and i really went through a lot um i've had breast cancer twice oh my and now i have leukemia oh and my I had radiation for the breast cancer the first time. Then I had a double mastectomy. And now I've been on um, uh, so many chemo drugs with this leukemia and side effects and mm. on and on. But the point being, as you can imagine, going through these things. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine, and I can't. I can't well, imagine it. I mean, fear, my goodness, you know. Loss. Yeah um you know just despair um but hope that you'll get through it and I would yeah. go to my piano and I would write and sometimes oh and of course anger anger why not right sure why the hell is this happening yeah and um what I would do I I used that outlet you know again much like when I would write for my dogs but I would use that outlet to heal myself to soothe myself yeah. and the thing that's what happened is that i was actually what was what was what i was doing for me through my music in terms of healing was happening to other people mm, okay and the reason i know okay. this is because i've gotten countless stories from fans you know emails and, and everything telling me how my music has helped them cope with loss or illness or grief um and and it's just been when i started to get that kind of feedback i was just like oh my god this is the greatest gift i could possibly receive from my own music that in in trying to work through my own problems i'm actually helping people that i don't know in the world heal themselves and i just felt like i i just 
I was incredibly touched, moved and humbled. You know what I mean? Wow. Going through the process that you were at the time with your own health and then seeing that feedback come back, you have a very unique perspective on the power of healing as for an outlet for yourself. And then at the same time, you're getting this feedback from other people. I mean, yeah. that's that's something right there. I mean, when you said that, I'm like, wow, because you're I don't I, I'm sure it's you know, it was this, everything was directed inwardly a lot with so many emotions and going through going through that. I, I don't know. I my as we talk today um, at this time, my mom is is in Houston for post-op for breast cancer surgery. And after after surviving non-Hodgkin's lymphoma many years ago. And so I I you know, I, I see it from that that perspective of of my parent, but it's like, I can't imagine what it's, what it's like to be in there, but I see those emotions like you've expressed through what she has gone through this last year, having this, some, having it come back in a different way, you know, yeah. like, well, well, like what you're going through now with leukemia and, yeah. and how, how are you, how are you doing? How are you doing right now? Well, it's my sixth year of it and okay. I'm on my fourth drug because I couldn't tolerate the side effects after a while one drug i was on for three years and i thought okay this is the one the only one i've been able to really tolerate um but and my numbers were low they dropped a lot and so i thought okay great they call it a clinical remission but not a molecular remission but then they'd spike and then they'd go down and then they'd spike and they were saying should we try something else perhaps and I said no this is the one I can tolerate let's just wait some more time but what I didn't realize was happening is that over time this drug was a little sneaky and it was uh like bit by bit there'd be building side effects and Mm -hmm. you know we ID'd them they treat them but then we found out (laughs) this one was actually a um it was known only at higher doses though for cardiac implications and Mm -hmm. vasculatory problems but i was on the lowest dose possible Mm. and yet Mm. after like the two and a half to three years i was developing they the, the report said severe deterioration of the small vessels in my feet and calves Okay. So Uh, I'm like, well, obviously if I'm losing my blood vessels, I can't stay on this drug. So they have me on something else. It's, Mm. um, it works a little differently. It's in the same classification of drugs, but they call it, it's the backdoor approach, whatever that means. But they said they (laughs) thought that, you know, it might be a good fit for me. It came out of clinical trials at Dana-Farber um just about a year and a half ago so i've been on it since november and most people seem to tolerate it very very well that's good news without without side effects so i'm just embracing that i'm trying i mean i've known what's happened before so i'm (laughs) i'm really like yeah really right Uh uh-huh well we'll see but i'm trying to be very positive i don't think about it i take the pill once a night and i don't think about it you know what i'm saying i just i can't because then i won't be living my life yeah well well, and 
what you just what you just said there um and i'm glad that they found something that you can tolerate i'm glad because those those slow or secret side effects are those ones that people people that that don't know they think well the side effects are going to be something that's at the beginning and then if they if they stick that i got to change if they if they they go away like they're supposed to i'm okay but then there's those other ones that have that long term effect to another part of the body that's going to be harmful but yeah. but what what you had said about how you know just saying okay well we'll see and you can't dwell on that because i've seen that you know aspect of of going through going through cancer through with like family members that it's like it's not i don't know what you would call it like not it's not like a pessimism but it's like a skepticism or something because well, yeah, of how the you, journey is yeah yeah especially if you've been through so much i sure, mean twice, sure i've been going twice through with breast cancer i mean my goodness over tw the last 20 years over 20 years it's been yeah cancer battles you know not yeah. not 24 7 but right. you know 2002 2009 2017 and and yeah. all the stuff in between i mean yeah. yeah but you can't you just can't because then cancer will win and you're ruining your time yeah worrying yeah why worry yeah. You, you you just just take the day you have and enjoy it and do what you can and you know you just can't think about it. Yeah. You got, you trust, you trust your, you trust your beliefs. You trust your team that's, that's working with you and they, that they, they're going to help you and, right. you know, and, and but I will, I will say this though. I am my own advocate because um, at the same time, I feel very strongly about, you know, speaking your mind with your physicians because, um, this particular drug I'm on now, the manufacturer dictates that it should be 80 milligram dose per day. And I've been on the lowest dose of everything they've thrown at me and I've had issues. So I said to them, now look, you know how sensitive I am. Why don't we start at half the dose? And they're like, oh, not protocol, not protocol. And I said, I don't care what protocol is. What do we have to lose? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work, we up the ante. I'm not in an acute situation here. My numbers are low. Yeah. So if it doesn't work and they go up a little bit, okay, then I do. But if it works, that's less poison I have to put in my body. Yeah. And guess what? My numbers plummeted and I'm on the half dose. <laughs> so kudos to me, right? Kudos to you. You have to speak up. You really do. I mean, I know my body and uh, you really do have to make sure that you very diplomatically um, <laughs> there you go. You know, yeah. make a picture, make a make a case for why. And they certainly know what my background and history is. So they listened and, you know, he came around to my way of thinking. And I said, well, thank God for that, because yeah. they really treating you know they, they they treat for iv chemo they treat the person's body weight size etc cetera, etc cetera. but right. for an oral chemo they don't and they should be okay so he it's actually, more about doses it's more about dosages like for another kind of medication i guess would so, you say is that kind of what you mean like for a med for a, it's more dosage basis if you took a medication oral medication for a lot of different type of things Right. And it shouldn't yeah. be. It should be based yeah. on your weight and what you, you know, your particular makeup. And um, he agreed with me. He said, you know, we, we need to treat the individual 
not just assign a random manufacturer dictate. Yeah, this is the maximum amount. This is the starting dose. This yeah. is what the starting amount yeah. is. And I said, yeah. well, not for me, it isn't. Yeah. You know? yeah. So anyway. Well, the point of, well, <laughs> well, no, the point of increments is, is the point of increments is that you try the increments. Well, I mean, I, I'm, no, I'm glad you said that because I mean, it's like, it's, it's medical science. And so if you look at something logically, or in a scientific type way, I mean, and you bring that to the table where it's like, you do be an advocate for yourself because you know your body and you say, well, hey, this is doing this now. Can I do this? Is this something you could try? And like, I suggest that because like all you, you know, all in this life that you can do whenever you're trying to get something accomplished or thing is is to ask. And, and sometimes you might, you know, get yes, no, maybe ignored. And then you have to back up your asking. But why not you why not? You know, like you, you said, a diplomatic way. Down. Yeah, don't take it lying down in a diplomatic way, in a kind manner, if you can, and ask. You yep. know, I mean it's like the the research that's out there nowadays, you know, it can be that people have access to can be make things scarier or it can inform you. And you just have to really use their expertise on the stuff that's informative and not read too much into some things. So you don't get, you know, scared and then just, yeah. you know, bounce it off the professionals. But your idea that's glad I'm, I'm glad that uh, that's good to hear that uh, that you, you, you know, you, you, you looked at it that way. You knew your body. You spoke up about it and they responded in kind and that it's uh it's and that it's working. That's awesome news, Ann. It's good to hear Thank that. You. It's good to hear that. And and it's and it's and it's good to hear this album. And and I you know, I what I, I I like to do this every once in a while. And I, I think with this record listening to it and then having the like we're we were kind of been talking about the album in itself and what it comes from and and what it the period of time it was made and whatnot. Is there a particular, we, we play the songs in here in, in the show. And uh, is there a particular oh, song that you would like to talk about? Like oh. one that comes out that's like, you know, I'd like to just kind of call this one out because I'd really like your perspective on, 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 uh, on something particular. Well, I did want to kind of talk about Sierios and the winter circle. Yeah, um, please. Sierios is Greek for, uh, the dog star and it happens to be the brightest star uh in the earth's sky yeah and it's also part of the winter circle constellation um and and in that winter constellation winter circle constellation um is both orion and sirius orion mm -hmm. it's thought to believe that sirius was his dog Okay. I love the idea, the word of the winter circle and the fact that Sirius is inside it and it's the dog star and it's the brightest star in the in the night sky. <laughs> and, you know, my dogs. And I mean, it just seems such a, a symbolic thing to have that as, you know, part of this album. And uh, the, you know, once again, it's it's a tribute to to the the dog in general how much a wonderful creature one of god's most wonderful creatures you know man's best friend and i i grew up my entire life with dogs and i can't imagine living without one
right now I have three dogs again. We, we had the one that was left out of the, the pack was Luna and she's with me. And we adopted a little, another little dog, kind of a border collie terrier mix, oh. uh, black and white, you know, um, she's, that's Marlo. And then recently I adopted a retired uh, breeding female from Kentucky. She came up to us. She, uh, what kind of dog, what kind of breed of dog? Another Siberian Husky. Oh, another Husky. Oh, cool. I just love Siberians and I have to have one as part of my, my family. And it took us a while to find one that would be compatible, you know, with the other uh, two dogs, given their personalities and their own bonding patterns. But yeah. um, she, you know, she was in rough shape when she came up and uh, she, uh, you know, she'd never been in a home her entire life lived in a kennel and uh she's uh let me just say this she's loving life now <laughs> she's got, getting what got, she should have always had <laughs> you've got some like you know some working dogs some like serious dogs there you know like the border oh, collie yes. and the huskin what kind of what was uh what was the did you have dogs growing up what was the landscape of green valley road was that rural was that suburban yes. well, was that it was kind of a little of both i mean i actually lived um on an old farm. It was not working, but we had four acres. We had a spring house, a barn, a carriage house, um, you know, and then the main house structure. And we abutted um, farmland. Originally, uh, there were cows, dairy, dairy cows uh, neighboring us. And then it went, then they sold that and it became a you know, corn and pumpkins. Oh, and okay. Crops. So it become more agrarian. Yeah. More like, yeah. But that, yeah, more crops. you know, we abutted them. And so we had a lot of buffer around us. We were the original home for Green Valley uh, Road. And then other homes would pop up around us. But in its early days, it had, you know, hundreds of acres around it. But when my parents purchased it, you know, it was down to four and there were, you know, there was a a development around us, but it was all beautifully done. You know, each house was different. You don't have these postage stamp things that are going up today. Um, <laughs> and I just loved it. I mean, I climbed trees and I would go on adventures and in the fields and, um, you know, we had four dogs at one point, <laughs> you know, so the household was always jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's not unusual, say, have like a, a several dogs at the house, and you you grew up, Correct. you grew up with that, and 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 that was kind of part of like your family life, on uh, on uh, on Green Valley Road. Green Valley Road, it's just it sounds so picturesque, and it sounds like it was. It was. It, it really was, and um, just absolutely beautiful. I I, it was pretty idyllic, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. I could walk to school, you know, some of some of the schools I went to, I could walk to just right across the cornfield. <laughs> wow. Different way of life, Jason. Yeah, different way of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's um I I um you know, Anne, I I uh I, it was so great to talk. I, I, thanks for being on the show. I, I'd love to have you back on the show again to just talk and and uh and play some more of your music. Yeah, I thank uh, you. I, I really, I really appreciate you being here and, and, and sharing on tones and drones and uh, you're welcome back. You're welcome back anytime. It's like, we need to have, we need to like, try to get something like when, like you come on and maybe get Will on at the same time again, 
Like, you know, Will fun. on the show. Wouldn't that be fun? He could talk about, like, you know, hearing your music and then produce. Yeah, it'd be fun to do that. Set that up there. That that would that would be cool. It's just like an idea. But uh, but I, I appreciate you for being on the show. And uh, again, you're welcome back anytime. And and thanks. Thanks for the music. And uh, Love Walks Through Rain, the, the new album. And yeah, thank you for being on here and sharing. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed I enjoyed the new album and it was great to to listen to some more of your music uh, as well and prep. So thank you so much. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's very easygoing. It's been very comfortable and, you know, like as if we were having a glass of wine over a just very. Sure. Sitting out in the porch, looking at the cornfield. With the dogs running in the backyard, that sounds that sounds idyllic too. I appreciate you saying that. So again, thanks for being here, Anne. I appreciate it. You're welcome, and thank you. Thanks again to Anne Sweet for being on the program. I very much enjoyed speaking with Anne, and uh, she has very lovely music. And you can find out more about her and her music by visiting her website, annsweeten.com. We're going to close with the title track from the album, Love Walks Through Rain. I'd like to remind you that you can find Tones and Drones on the major podcast platforms, also on the free NPR One app, And you can listen to the radio version called Tones and Drones Radio, which features artists that have been on the podcast, but you get to hear their entire works. And so you can find that by going to kblu.org and streaming the station. It airs on Sundays at 10 p.m. Central Time. Thank you for listening. I'm Jason Miller, and may music bring you peace and joy.